Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. I want to start a, a little series here that I'm calling Choices, Changes, and Chosen. Choices, Changes, and Chosen. And, uh, and I'm going to talk to you, and I'm going to do it in a way, too, that, you know, I'm not here to beat. You know, how many of you have made some bad choices? Well, let's ask, let's ask the other. Is anybody here not ever made a bad choice? Stand up. We're going to cast that lion spirit out of you. <laughs> so, but, but there's so many things that God is showing and doing and working in people's hearts. And, you know, and I want to talk to you about, uh, about choices and how, and how God works in, even, even in some bad choices, but how there's... There's, God's always at work. God's always teaching us stuff. You know, and, uh, and, and, and as, you, as you start out in life, you know, you start making choices. The older you get, your choices get more and more serious. For example, like one of my first serious choices was to buy this car right here. It was in 1970. It was in 1971. I think it was. That's a 66 Chevy Bel Air. I paid $300 for it, which to me was a, like a lot of money. I was uh, 15 years old, I think. I went to work so I could buy that car so I'd have something to drive because I preferred riding than walking. <laughs> Amen? My grandpa owned this car. He regularly would go to the junkyard and buy these old cars that didn't run, and then he'd go to work on them. My car was like two-tone. It was primer and green, and uh, mostly primer. I went to work at the Holiday Inn restaurant in, on Torrance Avenue in Lansing, Illinois. I made 95 cents an hour, bussing tables. Y'all, y'all looking at me like, what? when I started driving, gas was 25.9 a gallon. Yeah, 25 cents a gallon. Hello. I bought this car. I drove it for several months. But one day I picked up a newspaper, and I saw an ad in there, and it said 67 Ford Fastback Mustang. This was my second car. Well, here's the problem. I went to look at this car. I took my dad with me. My dad said, son, you should not buy this car. And I go, but look at it, Dad. I mean, that's, that, every, every kid wanted a car like that. That car had a 390, stock 390 four-speed in it. No kid should own a car like that. But my dad looked it over, took it for a drive. He said, son, you should not buy this car. This car is a piece of junk. I said, dad, I got the money. This car was $700. You know what that car would be worth today? <laughs> if you ever watch... Uh, the auction and stuff, um, I can't think of the name of it, but anyway, 
Those are about 50,000 or more. Anyway, so I bought this car. You know what? My dad was right. This car, this car, I would pull into a gas station and I would say, check the gas and fill it with oil. It burned, a, it burned a quart of oil about every 40 miles. The good news was I could go down to the Hammond Railroad salvage and buy a case of, 24 cases of oil for about four bucks, about 25 cents a quart for oil. And every, every 100 miles, I was putting about three quarts of oil in it. It was a bad decision. But I really looked cool when I was in the car. The only trouble was the car didn't run half the time. I blew it up, blew the transmission up, ended up putting a, a 289 in it that we got out of a junkyard. And then I sold it for like $400 just to get rid of it. And it was a happy day because I could sell my stock in Shell Oil then too. But see, I made decisions. And here's, here's the point. I want, you to, I want you to hear this first point that I want to get into as we get into this. It says the only thing you really own in life are the choices that you make. You see, I owned that car, but you could kind of say that the car owned me. Are you with me? And when I made that choice for that car, I, I didn't understand just how, how deep I'd be into it because that $700 car turned into hundreds of dollars of, of repairs and a rebuilt transmission and a used motor and, and that $700 car turned into a lot of money. And I was working all I could to, to, to do that because the, real, the fact is the only thing you really own in life are the choices that you make. So you do things and then the things that you do, they, they have a direct impact on you. And, and there's nothing wrong with owning a car, but, but you know, uh, I bought that car on an emotional whim. And, and, and then, thank God I met Terry because my car was down all the time and we rode around in her 72 Chevy Impala. It was nice. Had a bench seat, too. She could slide up right next to me. And um, so I want to read these verses for you, and then we're going to get into this this morning, and we'll see. And I plan on teaching this for the next few weeks because there's so many good things I want to get to. But this morning, there's a certain place we're going to get to, and, and, uh, and actually, we've been there in the spirit it, it, so in Matthew 16, this is out of the Passion Transma Translation, it says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. <laughs> I really like that. I, that's why I went, you know, I was looking at this through all the translations that I, that I usually frequent. But I love this phrase, then Jesus went to work on his disciples, because that's, that's what Jesus does. He goes to work on us. You know, he doesn't beat us up for things, but he goes to work on us. He's, he's working on us. So, you know, and in the context of Matthew 16, Jesus is doing a lot of ministry. There's a lot of things he's laying out there. But here, all of a sudden, it makes a transition. He says, now Jesus went to work on his disciples. He's healed, and, and he's dealt with the scribes and Pharisees, and now he's turning his attention to his disciples. Now listen to what he says. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. 
Now see, this is, a, this is a challenge that he puts down for his disciples. Because in the Western church, in American church today, you know, we have a Savior that we don't really surrender to. We have a Savior that we give our sins, but we don't give our life to. We have a Savior who we say, Lord, I want you to give me a ticket to heaven, but I want you to leave me alone while I'm here on the earth. And Jesus makes it clear to the disciples that if you, if you come to me, then you've got to let me lead. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Listen, it doesn't do you any good just to come to Jesus, you know, and pray uh, and ask for him to, you know, to give you something if you're just not going to let him lead because you're just going to keep going around that same mountain. You're going to keep yourself in the wilderness by your very choices when the Lord would like to take you on, but you have to let him lead. Look at your neighbor and say, let him lead, would you? Now he goes on, he says, don't run from suffering. Or no, let me back up here. He says, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Well, wow, that's kind of convicting right there. We could just stop and, and camp there, but the question is, like, is that really so? Is, it, is he in the driver's seat? You ever see that bumper sticker years ago that was going around and said, God is my co-pilot? Yeah, that's terrible. I hate that pump bumper sticker. Because if, you're, if God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. Moving right along. Whew, I feel good. <laughs> uh, uh. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Wow. Follow me and I'll show you how. How what? How to embrace it. Self-help is no help at all. Self-help is no help at all. Why? Because if it's self-help, it's not going to get you to where you need to go because you're still in the driver's seat. You with me? So Jesus just, I mean, let's just, let's just, Get real here. He's, he's trying to, he's, he's really put his finger on so much of what we struggle with. Self-help. If you keep, listen, much of what we're doing is we keep trying to get ourselves out of trouble. Stop. Let Jesus be your defender. So much better his way. <laughs> Come on. I'm not mad at anybody today. I'm not. I, 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 in fact, after all this this morning, I just love everybody. <laughs> Tomorrow I'll probably be mad again, but today I love everybody. I mean, but listen, he says self-help is no help at all. I, I, I think we've tried the gospel of self-help. We can tell people, come on, try harder, do more, you can do this. And we put it all on themselves. But self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Self-sacrifice is surrender. Everybody say surrender. surrender. 
So the gospel, the key to the gospel is surrender or yes. It's your yes that God's waiting for. Surrender is God's way. Self-sacrifice is the way. And again, because God's not, self-sacrifice isn't you working your way to God. Self-sacrifice is you getting out of the way so God can work. That was really good right there. I don't know if you, I, th- I thought that was really good. Anyway, self-sacrifice is the way, my way to finding yourself, your true self. Why? Because when I thought I lost me, he's the only one that knows how to find me. And then he reintroduces me to his love. Is that not awesome or what? You just sang the sermon this morning. And you didn't know it. You're like, oh, when I thought I lost me. And he's up there going, yeah, I got you. I know where you are. You're right here. You're right with me. And yet our hearts, we go, oh, God, why are you so far from helping me? He's not far. What kind of deal is it? Now listen to this. In the King James, this is how I memorized this years ago, you know, is, is what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's how we know this in the King James. But here's how it is in the Passion. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? You with me? So now get this. So you you make this choice to surrender your life to Jesus. Man, I, I just think, I think the Holy Spirit here today is really tugging on people's hearts because, listen, just because you ask Jesus to forgive you does not mean you have surrendered to him. Don't mistake that I prayed a prayer for the surrender of your heart to say yes to his will and to his way. Because what God's looking for is he's looking for you to lose yourself. Because if you lose yourself for his sake, you will find it. If you try to save yourself for your sake, you will lose. That's the, that's the irreversible law of the kingdom of God. You with me? So based on that, then think, let's say it again. The only thing you really own in life are the choices you make. So I want, you to, I want you to stay with me for a minute while I give you some of these choices. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 11 because this is where we're going to be and finish up. And I'll get through these few verses and then we'll, we'll close it up and we'll pick it up again next Sunday. He said, listen, listen, what, listen to this. You make your choices and then your choices make you. You make your choices And then your choices make you. Now, the basis of choices, I I, I did this all from Hebrews 11 in the life of Moses. Every one of these, right in a row. Now, get this, write this down. Choices come from faith. Now, in Hebrews 11, 23, it says, Faith prompted the parents of Moses at his birth to hide him for three months because they realized their child was exceptional. And they refused to be afraid of the king's edict. You know what had happened? Pharaoh had ordered all the firstborn children to be murdered. And so 
Moses' mom and dad, when Moses was born, knew he was exceptional. Do you know, do you know you're exceptional? Do you know there's nobody like you? Do you know that all you ever have to really be is be yourself? Because if you'll just be yourself, you don't have to worry about being anybody else or even pleasing anybody else. Just be you. There's only one. Praise God. But just be you. You are, exce- you are exceptional. But you know what happens is because, now listen to what it says, they refuse to be afraid. You know what happens to people who operate in fear instead of faith? They start being something they're not. Because they're afraid if I am who I say I am, you might not like me. And so I'm going to be something I think that you think I am because I want you to accept me. And then in that fear, we actually don't live up to our exceptional calling. But it was interesting, by faith, the parents of Moses saw this, 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 there's something special about this kid. And in, in spite of what the king ordered, knowing that they could be killed for it, they hid him in a, in a little bulwark of ark pitched, and they floated it down the river. And you know the story. Pharaoh's daughter. Now talk about, see, when you start making choices that are in line with God, listen to me now. When you start making choices out of faith and not out of fear, people call it, oh, you're just lucky. There's no such thing as luck. People say, oh, that, that, that you're just, you, you just, that's just kismet. How about it's God? When you start making the choices that you are making in alignment with faith and with the will and the word of God, God has an amazing way of lining things up. He, they float him down the river, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh's daughter, who's taking a bath, sees this little baby, falls in love with this little baby. Now get this. Don't tell me this is luck. She says, I think I'm going to take this baby home with me. And by the way, I'm going to need somebody to help me nurse him. And Moses' mother, come on, church. Moses' mother gets the call and says, "Uh, hey, they're asking for somebody to come and raise this baby. Would you be willing? Oh, yeah. So get this. All the while Moses is raised, here he is. Here's, Here's his mama. I need a baby is what I need right now. He's like, you know, I've done that. Leave me alone. So get this. He's raised in Pharaoh's house. The man who would deliver Israel out from Pharaoh's rule. And all the while, he's sitting on his mama's knee. And she's telling him, you ain't no Egyptian. You ain't no Egyptian. You ain't no Egyptian. You are an exceptional child. 
She's bouncing him on his knees. You are, a, you are a child of destiny. You are a child of purpose. There's coming a time where you're going to make a choice, and God is going to rise up in you, and you are going to lead your people out. Thus says the Lord. She prophesied over him. She spoke the will of the Father over him. She spoke the heart of God over that over that young man, and that young man grew up, and, 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 and we say, well, oh, that's just a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It's God. And so get, what, get this. Choices shape your identity. Faith enabled Moses. Now listen to this, verse 24. Faith enabled. Everybody say enabled. Enablement is a power. See, faith empowers the right choices, empowered Moses to choose God's will. For although he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he refused. Everybody say he refused. He made a choice. He made a conscious choice that I'm not going to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm going to be a son of God. Notice what it says. He refused to make that his identity. You see, your choices shape your identity. And when you continually make the right choices, look at this. I don't know who, I've read this for years. I don't know who to give credit for it. So I'm going to say that I wrote this, but I didn't. But it's really good. I wish I would have. It says, sow an act, reap a habit. See, when you sow an act and you, co- and you continually give yourself to the right choices and make your, ha- your choices a habit, you choose to walk after God. You choose to seek God. You choose to worship God. You choose to read and study the word of God. You choose to seek the heart of God. And when you sow an act, you reap a habit. Did you ever notice that that's how we identify people? We identify people by their habits. For example, I, I think, you know, let me just say it like this. How many of you have ever played a game and you cheated to win? I, I do it all the time. Because I'm extremely competitive. And I've been, I would play my granddaughter, Giselle, and, and, and we'd play Old Maid. And I'd rig the deck so she'd lose. Isn't that awful? Now, if I cheated one time, we'd say, well, you know, you, you, she, and she, she finally caught on. You know, she got old enough. And, 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 and uh, at first she said, you cheated. Maybe. But now, because of every, we were playing Jenga the other day, and they actually accused me of cheating. You know why? Because you keep doing something, and you get identified by the thing that you're doing. So not now did you cheat, or you cheated, but you are a cheater. The choices you make 
set a habit in you, and when you sow a habit, you reap a character. And so once you reap a character, it becomes your identity. People say things like, you're mean. Why would they say that? Because you have a habit of being a jerk. If the shoe fits. Sow a act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused to make that his identity. First you make choices, then your choices make you because they shape your identity. Can I just tell you something this morning? Listen to me. Every one of us get to choose our identity. You get to choose who you're going to be. You get to choose whether you're going to be that exceptional son and daughter of God or you're just going to go the way of Pharaoh or Pharaoh's daughter. Now listen, think about the conflict with Moses. He was raised in splendor. His people, his blood people were slaves. So when he made a choice to identify with the children of God, he knew that that was going to cost him something. But Moses became a man of exceptional character because of his choice. And his identity, people, you know, this is really cool too. Do you know why God raised Moses in Pharaoh's house? Because all of Israel had a slave mentality. You know what's really hard for God to get you where he needs to get you when you have a slave identity? Father, I just pray that you'll release people from that slave mentality, that identity that they've identified with their sin and even call themselves a sinner. Can I just tell you this morning, you are not a sinner. If you came to Jesus, you surrendered your life to him, you give your heart to him, you follow him, you forsake your way and take up his way, you are no longer a sinner, you are a saint. I know it's real religious and it says, oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Why Why would God... Listen to me, God never called you a wretch. He calls you sons and daughters. You can always tell the value of something by the price the person's willing to pay for it. 
So we must be worth something very valuable because God gave his very best for us. And so Moses rejected Pharaoh's identity and decided to be who God had called him to be. Moses chose his identity and so do you. Look at your neighbor and say, you get to choose who you want to be. Stay with me a little further. Choices reveal values. Choosing instead to suffer mistreatment with the people of God. Moses preferred faith's certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin's pleasures. Moses preferred faith certainly, certainty. Preferences are behind most of our choices. We choose based on preferences. I would prefer to go to heaven rather than hell. I would prefer to be happy rather than sad. So I live out my choices. Let, let me tell you some ones that we all live in anyway. I prefer to have money as not have money. And so I prefer to have a job that's going to pay me good money. People say, well, money won't buy you happiness. No, but it'll sure take away some sadness. I mean, I prefer to walk in the peace of God than the strife. I prefer to be around people who speak life into me than the other kind. Come on, y'all help me. Y'all got to help me. I'm almost done. You got to help me here. Moses preferred faith certainty. Now, here's the thing. Moses knew for sure he could stay in Pharaoh's house and be comfortable the rest of his life. But one day that he would die and that all would be accounted for. Or he could choose faith certainty. Now, see, I, I think people, I hear people all the time. I've even been guilty of this. I say, well, you know, it's cert, it's not, I'm not certain where this all ends up. Well, I just got a revelation about all this. And I want to tell you something that I'm really certain about today. I'm certain about where this ends up. I'm certain that I made a choice for Jesus a long time ago, and I'm certain where it's taking me. I'm certain where it's going to end up. I'm certain what I'm going to walk in while I'm here. I'm certain that God is not going to cheat me, rip me off, and leave me on the side of the road dead. He's not going to hurt me. He's not going to harm me. He's not going to put me down. He's going to take me up. I'm I'm certain of it. Amen. I'm going to tell you, faith has a certainty about it. People, I don't know what's going to happen to me. That's because you got no faith. Faith's certainty. Everybody say it. All right, let's do it again. One, two, three. See, faith has a certainty. You know that you know. See, if you don't know, then you don't know. And here's what I can tell you. You don't know what you don't know. 
But when faith comes, all of a sudden you know what you don't know, and so you know I know where to get what I need to know that I don't know now. And when I know that I know that I know, that's faith certainty. Don't ask me to repeat that. You'll have to listen to the podcast for that. You see, there's a faith certainty. So many people are walking around with such uncertainty in their lives. And a lot of people say, well, I, b- I believe in Jesus, and they're living like they're in a fog. Well, Pastor Mike, I don't know where this is going to end up. I got a good idea. If you follow Jesus, all things are going to work together for good. I don't know, Pastor Mike, if I'm going to make it. I got a good idea that if faith certainty says, if you keep following Jesus, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whatsoever things you have need of, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Whosoever speaks to this mountain, be thou removed and shall not doubt in his heart. He shall have the thing that he said. I tell you, I have a certainty to... I have never been more certain of this one thing, that God is real, he's alive, and he's at work today, and revival is here. It's moving, it's operating, it's turning itself up and out, and God is doing something real. Somebody told me the other day, well, I don't know, Pastor Mike, it seems like the devil sure is up to a lot. I like, yeah, well, let me tell you something. God's up to more. And don't you think the fact that God's letting the devil have enough rope, that there's only one reason God gives the devil rope? Yeah, because he's going to hang himself. Here, devil, take that. Go ahead. Oh, but Pastor Mike, my life's shaking. That's so when he gets done, only Jesus is left. Moses preferred, everybody say preferred, faith certainty above the momentary enjoyment of sin. All right, one more verse and then I'm going to quit. You're going, praise God. Choices bring you to the ultimate. Hebrews 11.26, he found his true wealth in suffering abuse for being anointed. See, some of you, the devil told you that you're going through trouble because you ain't anointed. He's telling some of you that God's left you. Look, at if you, if, you was, if you was a man or woman of God, you wouldn't be in this mess. I'm telling you, it's because you are a man or woman of God that you are in this mess. And you're going to find your true wealth. When this anointing that God has put in you is turned loose through you and everything you're walking out is the fulfillment of God's promise to you and in you and through you. That'll preach right there. Listen to this. More than anything the world could offer him. You know, the devil's tried to get me to quit for years. He should have killed me when he had a chance. 
Man, because everything he does just causes me to get more resolve. I got more want-to in me than I've ever had in 35 years. I got more anointing being rubbed all over me than I know what to do with. And if you want some of it, hang around. I'll rub it on you too. So I'm not sure I want what you got. Well, then just keep living where you're at. I tell you, I'm having a whole lot more fun than some of you are. Oh, yes, I am. Anything the world could, now listen to this, for his eyes looked with wonder. God, open our eyes to wonder today. Remember from a couple weeks ago, if you lose your wonder, you begin to wander. More than anything the world could offer him, for his eyes looked with wonder, not on the immediate, but on the ultimate faith's great reward. Now I want you to get this last statement here. It's not your last step that matter. Say maybe you're sitting here today and your last step was a bad step. But you know what matters today? It's not your last step. It's your next step. Some of you have made some really bad choices. But it's not your last choice that matters. It's your next choice. I'm declaring to you today, it's time for you to wake up and realize it's my next step that matters. I Listen, I have made plenty of missteps in my life. I have made plenty of missteps in my life. But it's the next step that takes me to the purpose and the heart of the Father. And I'm telling you today, there's some of you, the devil has you locked into your last step. And Jesus came today to say, I'm opening up a door for you to take the next step. And the next step. And the next step. And the next step that's going to lead you to life's ultimate I ain't, I ain't settling anymore. Listen, hear me. I ain't settling anymore. He said I could have the ultimate. You go to White Castle and have one of them little sliders. I'm going to the big boy. I want the ultimate burger. In heaven's in heaven's realm, I don't want just something. I want the ultimate. I don't want just a blessing. I want Jesus. I'm saying yes to the ultimate. And but in order to do that, all I have to do is take the next step. It's the next step. Can you guys hold on? Can you play that? I'm going to get in trouble for this right now. So I'm just I'm gonna put a disclaimer in this. So I was watching I was watching this video. I'm not much for hip hop. Hello. I'm not much. You, I'm 62 years old. I saw this dad get his kids around him and make this video. 
And here's, here's the thing. You know, you know in Joshua it says, it may seem evil for you to serve the Lord and go for the ultimate. But as for me and my house, as for me, come on, say it. As for me and my house, say it again. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. You see, when you make your choice, it's not just for you, it's for your children and your children's children. I want, to, I want you to play a little bit of this, Alec, and I ask you to forgive me right on the front side, but I want you to see this, I want you to see what's happening, not just, it's powerful. Got it? Now watch that little girl right there. Watch her have a Holy Ghost fit in about two minutes. Come on. my best step. Alright. You see, I want to tell you something. If you're going to go for the ultimate, how many of you are tired of settling? You don't want to just have a marriage. You want to have a great marriage. You, you don't want to just have children. You want to have great children. You don't want to just have, uh, have a church experience. I want to have revival. I want to have God. And so you see, if you want that to be you, then you got to make your next step your best step. And you got to put your trust in the Lord. I wish I was 30 years old. I really do. I'd be, I'd be up all over this. I'm so exhausted I can barely stand. I need you to stand with me. I came to tell you this morning, it's your next step. That's what God's looking for, your next step. See, some of you are like, King Agrippa, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, Pastor Mike, you know, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Well, you just made your next step. Hello? Uh, Pastor Mike, I know God wants to do something in my life, in my marriage, in me, but I, I got other things. I need to, I got like some, 
I got some cattle I need to go prove, and I got to go bury my father, and I got some other business to take care of. You just made your choice. Your next step is your best step. Your next step is your best step. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then choose him. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Therefore, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that thou and thy seed. You know what blessed me about that video? Was those kids watching their dad. Declare, I'm taking my next step because it's my best step. When's the last time you got your family around you and said, hey, I don't like the way things have really been going around here. I take responsibility for it. We're going to take another step. We're going to take a next step. When's the last time you did that? This is what the church needs to do. The church needs to come together and say, what's our next step? You know what you call that? Revival. Bow your heads with me today. Your next step is your best step. It's not your last step. You may have misstepped on your last step. And if you want a different life, then you have to make different choices. Because choices bring changes. And here's where we're going to pick this up again next week. Listen, everybody look at me one second. Look at me. God makes his choices based on your choices. God cannot override your choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Bow your heads. Father, this morning, I pray, God, that you will just speak to our hearts right now. There's people who have been fighting their steps. They've been fighting that whole thing that we started in. Who's in the driver's seat? Who's going to be in the driver's seat here? So today, Lord, I make my choice. My choice is for the ultimate. By faith, Moses chose the ultimate. He chose to rather suffer affliction with the people of God than to take the easy way out. He chose the ultimate because he saw that the next step was the big step. And he trusted in you, Lord. Come on, the Holy Spirit's just talking to people right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's inviting you to get out from behind the driver's seat 
because he'd love to take control so you could find the ultimate and not settle anymore. Father, we just surrender to you today. We ask you, Lord, to help give us grace and strength for the next step. Lord, this next step is really, really important. And I don't want to mistake God just praying a prayer for the surrender of my heart. What you're looking for is something bigger and something more than just the praying of a prayer. You're looking for the surrender of the heart. So, Lord, today we ask you to arrest our hearts, captivate our will, bring us to the place of wonder, bring us to the place of surrender, bring us to the place where we say yes. I'm going to invite some of the prayer team down to the altar here this morning. I believe the Lord is dealing with people. He's speaking to people. If you'd like further prayer, if you'd like healing, if you'd like to be anointed, if you'd like agreement, they'll be down here praying. If you'd just like to find a place around this altar where you could just get a hold of the Lord privately, personally, we'll... We'll keep this altar open and clear. You just go find yourself a place. We won't bother you. I'm, I don't want to get in the way of what God is doing in you. One of the greatest days of surrender of my life was at an altar in a filled church. But it was just me and Jesus. Not one person laid hands on me. Not one person prayed for me. But it was the day that Jesus gave me his ultimate call and his ultimate anointing on my life and changed my life forever. And I walked out of that place a changed man, knowing I was chosen and that I would never be the same again. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.